All right. So for the last couple of weeks, we have been in a series called Fight. And it's, this is the point of the series. There are things in our spiritual life that we have to fight against because they are enemies of our affections. And there are things that we have that we should fight with because they actually stir up affection for God in us. So in week one, we looked at some of those enemies. What are the things that are in our life that actually rob us of love for or affection for God? And for the next few weeks, from last week until the end of this series, we will just look at things that stir up our affection for God, that actually create, promote love for God in us. What are the things that we can do that are going to stir up love for God in us in the seasons where you feel dry, in the seasons where you feel flat, in the seasons where you feel like you just can't even spiritually? What are the things that you can do to stir up love for God in you? And so last week we looked at the Bible and why we read the Bible as a means to stir up our affections for God. And this week we'll go to a different tool, but think about this. And this will depend on your household situation, and maybe it'll even depend on the situation that you are in. But if you hear this from your mother, this, this phrase, hey, your father wants to talk to you. For some of you, you're thinking, this is not going to be great. This is going poorly. Automatically, like no matter what, bad. For some of you are like, cool, my dad's great. He's the man. He's my bro. I don't know. For some of you, it's like, it just depends on the situation. For some of you, it brings up wounds because a dad's not there. For some of you, it brings up a wound because dad's there, but he doesn't really care. And be, so you have all of these thoughts that roll in your head when you hear the phrase, hey, your father wants to talk to you. Either, yes, I can't wait to talk to him. Oh my gosh, he's probably mad at me. Oh, I wish I could talk to my dad, but he's absent. I wish I, 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 wish I, I, I would talk to my dad, but he won't give me the Time, so many thoughts come up in us when we hear the phrase, your father wants to talk to you. But here's what's so interesting. If I could just simplify prayer, it's us, it's, it's, it's really God saying to us, your father wants to talk to you. And, and our response should be unified around what the scriptures have to say about prayer and about that relationship with God. And hopefully when you, when you hear the fact that God wants to talk with you via this thing that the Bible calls prayer, you don't think, oh no, God's always just mad at me. Hopefully you don't think, I mean, I would love to talk to God, but he just is, he's just absent. Or maybe I'd love to talk to God, but he just doesn't seem like he cares. I hope that what you'll find is that believers in Jesus should pray often because we have a good father who loves to listen and extend what we need when we pray. And this is how we're going to fight with prayer. So Matthew chapter 7. Starting in verse 7, I'll read through verse 11. Matthew 7, 7 through 11. This is Jesus speaking. He says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask ask him? 
So here's the question that we're going to answer. How does prayer stir up our affection for God? How does prayer stir up love for God in us? The first thing is this. Prayer reminds us that we are people that are in need. Prayer reminds us that we are people in need. Look back at verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. What kind of people ask? People that have a need. What kind of people seek? People that need to find something. What kind of people knock? People that have a need. We are those people. And prayer reminds us that we are in need. We have needs spiritually, physically, relationally, emotionally. We are people in need. So Jesus says you should ask, you should seek, you should knock, because when you ask, it will be given to you. When you seek, you will find. When you knock, the door will be opened. There's someone who supplies your needs because you're a people who are in need. And prayer reminds us that we are a people in need. So the first thing that we ought to understand, how does prayer stir up our affection for God? Because it reminds us that we are people in need. And if you're thinking in your brain, Kate, how on earth does that just like stir up love for me? I'm a needy person. Great. And now I love God more. It only makes sense if we read the rest of the passage. Verse 9. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Jesus is asking the crowd this question that he knows the answer to before he asks it. You've done this before. So he asks the crowd, which one of you, if his son asked him for bread, would give him a stone? To which the crowd would answer, none of us would do that, Jesus. That's ridiculous. We're good parents. If our kid asks us for bread, he needs food. I'm going to give him bread because he needs food. And I'm a good father in that way. I'm a good parent in that way. Verse 10, or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. Okay, Jesus, this is even more ridiculous. If my kid is asking for food that he needs, I'm not going to give him a serpent and be like, hey, I know you're hungry for some fish, but how about this snake and deal with that? I'm a better parent than that. I'm a good father. And he knows that that's the answers that they have in their head. So this is what he says in verse 11. If you then, who are evil, people that are broken because of the fall, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So now he's in comparison. So knowing the answers to those questions, he looks at them and he says, okay, if you know how to give good gifts to your kids, if you know how to supply the needs, if you desire to supply the needs for your kids as good parents, but you're evil, how much more do you think God who is in heaven knows how to give good gifts to his children? The answer, infinitely more. Infinitely more. So to cap this off, Prayer stirs up our affections for God because it reminds us that we are in need. And the second thing is this. It reminds us that we serve a God who loves to meet our needs and is the best at it. Prayer reminds us that we serve a God who loves to meet our needs and he's the best at it. 
How, how does he meet our needs? He meets our needs as a parent. He meets our needs, as the scriptures call him, as a father. Now, I get it. For, for, for many of you, the picture of a father is great because your dad rocks. Like, like if there was a scale of almost perfection, your dad's sniffing perfection. He's that kind of guy. You love him. Like, yeah. For others of you, your picture of your dad stinks. So when you think about a father meeting your needs, it makes no sense in your brain. You don't have a category for that because you don't have a dad that actually does so. Or maybe he does so, but not in the way that you need. Maybe he shows up with money, but you're not asking for money. Maybe he shows up with stuff, but you're not asking for stuff. He supplies not the things that you need. So when you think about a father that supplies the things that we need, for some of you, it's foreign. Here's what's so good about God as a father. My friend says it like this. This is not mine. This is my friend's. God is not your earthly father improved. God is your earthly father perfected. God is the perfect father. So whatever picture you have, whether your dad's a rock star or he has failed you time and time again, God is the perfect father. He is everything that you need in a father. And so we pray because it, we, we're reminded we're needy people. And then we have a father in heaven who loves to meet our needs and he's the best at it. He's the best at it. If we could just prove that for a second. He has met our greatest need in the sending of his son. We had this great need, meaning we needed relationship with God and there was no way to gain it. And God in his great love for his people sent Jesus to die, to live the life we could, could not live, to die the death you and I were supposed to die and to get up from the dead so that you and I had the way to be in relationship with God. God in his good fatherness has provided the way for us to be with him. And so for all of those who would believe on Jesus's name, we now have access to relationship with the father. God has met that need in you. For all those who believe, he has met that need. And if he met that need, why can't he meet every other one that you have? He can. And so we pray because we're needy people. But we have a father in heaven who loves to meet our needs and he's the best at it. He's the best at it. Prayer stirs up our affection for God because when we pray, when you pray, you get access to the God of heaven and experience his character as a loving, good, near, providing, listening father. That's what you get to experience when you pray. God's goodness, God's nearness, God's kindness, God's love for you, God's desire to listen to you. The scriptures say it like this. Just think about this. This, this just, this blows my mind. This, the scriptures say that God, when we pray, bends down to listen. You've seen, you've seen a little kid run over to their parent and they run over, they have something to say. And what does the mom or the dad do? They bend down and they listen to their kid. 
because they want to hear what they have to say. This is what God does to you. He bends down to listen. So when we pray, we get access to experiencing God as loving and good and gracious and providing and listening. And it stirs up our affection. It's a unique experience. There are not very many other experiences where you can experience God in that way. As providing and listening and good and kind. And prayer does that. Prayer reminds us that we have access to the throne room of heaven. Because we have a God who desires to meet with us. It's as if someone is saying to you, your father wants to talk to you. And it's the best news on the planet for us. It's the best news on the planet. But the question I think is necessary to answer at this point is, okay, great. I want to pray. How do I pray? How do I pray? And I don't mean like, what language do I use? That's not what I'm after. That's not, you don't need language. You you know English. And so speak English. God hears that just fine. Like, do I have to say, dear God? Do I have to say, Father? Like, how does that, that's not what I'm after. I'm not after your form. How do I pray? I'm after your attitude more than I'm after anything else here. What is your attitude as you approach prayer? I'm after attitude, not necessarily application. I'll get to some application in a minute, but I'm after attitude. How should we pray? What should our attitude be when we pray? First thing is this. When we pray, we ought to pray worshipfully. We ought to pray worshipfully. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 says this. After Jesus' disciples, you see this in the Luke account, teach us to pray is what they say. It says, pray, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We should pray worshipfully. It says, hallowed be your name, holy be your name. God, you are unlike any other. Our Father, where are you? You're in heaven and your name is holy. It's the name that's above all names. That's how Jesus tells us to pray. That's how he starts. You want to you pray like me? You pray like this. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. We pray worshipfully. You think about it like this. How would you approach the presence of a king? You would bow low and you would give honor because he's the king. That's true of when we pray. We should pray worshipfully. One of the mistakes that we make when it comes to prayer is we just equate prayer to asking God for things. Pray for God to take this away. Pray for God to give me this. Pray for God to supply this. Pray for God to remove this. We're just asking God to do certain things. We're rubbing the heavenly genie lamp and hoping that God gives us our wish. Prayer is far more than asking. It is asking, but it's far more than that. We have to pray worshipfully. Well, think about this in any relationship of love that you have. What if the relationships of love that you have, whether it be with your bae is here, I don't know, whatever. 
uh, but like with your mom or your dad or whoever, right? Just think about, just think for the future one day with your spouse, what if the relationship of love that you were in only consisted of that person asking things of you? It wouldn't be very loving then, would it? No. Loving relationships require conversation that are more than just, can you give me this? Can you give me this? Can you take this away? Can you take this away? Loving relationships require conversation. So it is with God. We should pray worshipfully. The second thing, how we, to pray, uh, how we should pray, we should pray in humility. We should pray in humility. Matthew chapter 6, 5 through 6, Jesus says this, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. If you're praying for your own gain, if you're praying for your own notoriety, if you're praying for your own praise, you're missing the point. We have to pray in humility. Again, we can think about it like this. How would you approach a king? We should pray in humility. So we should pray worshipfully. We should pray in humility. The third thing, we should pray consistently. We should pray consistently. Matthew chapter 7, 7 through 8, that we just read, it says this, Ask and you will, it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Just think about it for the sake of example. We should pray consistently. So think about this with the language that Jesus uses. If you have a need and that need is on the other side of the door, none of you are going to knock once and be like, I tried, I'm out of here. No, you're going to knock again because the need that you have is on the other side of that door. So you will keep knocking because you have a need and the need is on the other side of that door. So you ask, you will seek, or you will knock. In fact, Jesus gives an example of this in Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verse 5, and he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door's now shut and my children are in bed with me. I cannot get up and give you anything. So this is a scenario that Jesus is setting up. This guy knocking on the door, I've got a need. You're in there, you have what I need. He's like, yo, 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 my kids are in bed. I'm in bed. I don't have time for this. Verse 8 I tell you, though he will not get up and give you anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence or his persistence or because of his consistency, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. You've heard that before. Verse 10, for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, Will instead of a fish give him a serpent, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We ought to pray consistently. Because not only does our consistency show some devotion for the thing that we desire, but in our consistency, God shapes our desires. So many. So many things, I'm sure, 
you have prayed for and not received. And maybe in this moment you're thinking, Kate, I've prayed for this thing consistently and I haven't gotten it. Just because you pray for it a bunch doesn't mean it's what God desires. Just because you pray for it in Jesus' name doesn't mean it's something that God will grant you. If God's a good father who gives you what you need, then what you receive will be just that, what you need. We have to remember that when we pray. We have to remember that when we ask and maybe we don't receive what we thought that we would receive. God knows far better than us. The scriptures say that our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. So maybe some of you, you've prayed for a long time for a good thing. And for some reason, that thing has not come to pass. It doesn't mean you should stop. God is teaching you in the consistency. God is shaping you in the consistency. And you're getting to experience God's kind character as you continually ask and seek and knock. And I hope that that would stir up affection for you. Would it be less loving of God to say no? It wouldn't. Because if God is the best father, then God knows best. And so if God does say no, it's not because God's mean. It's because God knows best. So we can still ask and seek and knock. We can still pray. So we pray worshipfully, pray in humility, pray consistently. And the fourth thing is this, we should pray honestly. We should pray honestly. If you're a church kid, maybe you figured out the game. You figured out, oh, I get it. So like this person, they go up and they pray like this and they say this certain language and you've adopted that language. Thinking like, this is the, like, I have, if you don't say that language, like, that's not very spiritual. So I have to say it like this because that's what spiritual people do when they pray. You don't necessarily mean any of that language, but it's just what you're supposed to do because, like, that's what Christian people do, right? But if God is your father, you would speak to him honestly, respectfully for sure, honestly, though. Is it okay to tell God that you're frustrated? Yes. Read a psalm. Read, read, read a few pages of the psalms and you will find David be very honest with God. Does he resolve to who God is every time? Yes. Is he still honest with God about what he feels? Yes. But again, what do we find when we pray? When we pray, in honesty, you know what you're going to experience? God's good, kind, providing, loving, listening character as a father that will hopefully, by God's grace, shape you. So come to God in honesty. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, say it like this. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. God knows, so you might as well, you might as well just be honest about where you're at. God's not impressed with your many spiritual words. God desires your honesty, so pray in honesty. Pray in honesty.
The last thing is this. We should pray expectantly. We should pray expectantly. Remember what Matthew chapter 7, 7 and 8 said? Ask, what? And it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, it will be open. Jump down to 11. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? So we ought to pray expectantly, knowing that God is a good Father who loves to give us good gifts. Many of us stick ourselves in this rut of thinking, I'm going to pray for this, but I, I bet, I bet God isn't going to come through. And that's probably because we're wounded by an experience that we had where we prayed for something that was good as far as we were concerned, and it didn't happen. So we think, you know what? God doesn't come through, so I'm done with expecting for God to actually come through. But I also wonder if we have missed so many times of God coming through and answering our prayers because we won't slow down long enough to notice. I wonder if you wrote down your prayers for a year, would you look back 10, 12 months ago and see how God has come through. You probably would. Because God's a good father who loves to give you good gifts. We lose sight of that because we want it now. The heaven Wi-Fi is not fast enough for us. But we should pray expectantly because we have a good father who loves to give us good gifts. So how do we pray? We pray worshipfully. We pray in humility. We pray consistently, honestly, and expectantly. That's the attitude we ought to have. Is that every bit of attitude you ought to have? No, but I think those are helpful. But now what about practically? What are some helpful tools to help us pray, to just help us to focus on how to pray? Maybe you've got a thing that you do. There are so many tools out there to help you pray. but this, there, this, is, this is a tool, it's going to seem super elementary. I get it. It's going to seem like we just rolled out a VBS kind of deal. But it will hopefully help you focus as you pray. So often we just need, we just need a way to focus because we're distracted. So in our distracted culture, this is just a way to focus. If you've been here for a couple of years, you've experienced this with me before. If not, this will be new to you and hopefully helpful. Everybody has a hand, right? You got one? It's great. If you have a hand and you have all five fingers on that hand, then you can pray. If you don't have all five fingers, you can still pray. But the tool will be all the more helpful if you have all five. All right? Okay, so this is the first thing. Thumb. Everybody thumbs up. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. As he's teaching the disciples to pray, he starts like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, you're awesome. Thumbs up to you. Got it? You guys are nailing it so far. So God in heaven, hallowed be your name. There's none like you. This is praise. You, would, you should start your prayer worshipfully in praise. Expe- express true things to God about God. Pointer finger. 
Got it? You point at somebody that looks like a gun, right? This is what you would do. Somebody pointed a gun at you. You stick your hands up. I what? Surrender. That's right. This is what Jesus goes on to say after he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we surrender our way to you. Your way, not mine. God, we surrender. Right? Okay. Middle finger up too. Three fingers up. Okay. Three fingers, three letters. A-S-K. That spells the word. Ask. Give us this day our daily bread. God, provide our needs. Provide our needs as a good father. Provide what we need. Ring finger. You got four fingers up? Four fingers for forgive. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those, or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. God, we need your forgiveness and we need to be people who extend forgiveness. God, we need that from you. And so you ask for forgiveness. You confess sin to God and believe that through the cross of Christ, he extends forgiveness to you. Last, pinky, full hand, right? You got all five up now? Now, with that, with that whole hand, you're going to push away and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, resi- help us to resist temptation today. Deliver us from the evil that's in the world. Look, that's silly. I get it. It's so silly that you probably won't forget it. And so if that's something that you can remember, then you can pray. And as you pray, you'll experience God as a good father and be stirred up to love him more. When you struggle to pray, pray all the more. And experience God as good, and kind, and loving, and providing. If you struggle to know if God hears your prayers, if you struggle to know if God is answering your prayers, I am that kind of person. I am, like today, I'm that kind of person. One of the ways you can help that is write your prayers down. Write them down. Date them. Look back six months, a year, two years, and say, how has God come through? And hopefully you're drawn into worship God all the more.